And this is, these are the things that we remember on Christmas Day, isn't it? The, the things that we saw、um, on the video,、uh, how the shepherds、um, came to Jesus、um, on that day.、Uh, take a look at verse 13, chapter 2, verse 13. That great line. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and, and to earth, peace to,、uh, to those on whom his favor rests. And the shepherds, as we saw in the baby, go to see the baby Jesus lying in the manger. And according to verse 16, and the story of Christmas, that, that's the story of Christmas that we often hear. And I'm really glad that it's there because it's such a happy message for all of us. And on this Christmas day,、um, as you、uh, came in, there was this、uh, nativity scene. And on that Christmas day,、uh, you saw that、uh, the, the baby was missing and we put the baby in. And we, we imagine The baby Jesus coming to,、uh, to this earth, surrounded by the shepherds who have come in, and the angels, and, 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 and the animals there,、uh, and baby Jesus lying in the manger. And it must have been a great day. It must have been a great sight、uh, to have been there, to see that happening. And as we read in verse 19, if you look, Mary tre- treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And if she were a man, that would be it.、Um, but because Mary is a woman, she's good at multitasking. She's thinking about all these things that are happening, but then she's thinking about another thing at the time. Actually, we find that in her mind is this concerned for her purity, actually, concerned for her sin, concern for her relationship with God. It must have been because, according to the law, Mary is now considered unclean. Unclean because of the blood that she shed, giving birth to God's child. Leviticus chapter 12 tells us that giving birth to a boy made the mother ceremonially unclean. Unclean for seven days, and the, the mother was supposed to keep away from all the clean things for 33 days. And after 33 days, she was, she was to go to the temple. Um, she,、uh, on those days, she couldn't touch anything. She couldn't be near the holy things. And after that, she is to bring a lamb,、um, and a, and a, and a pigeon or a dove to the,、uh, to the gate of the temple. Present them to the gate of the temple to the priest so that the priest could offer this sacrifice to, uh, uh, on her behalf. Sacrifice, a burnt offer, offering,、uh, for her cleansing and also sin offering. According to Leviticus chapter 12.6. And this is what what that says Leviticus chapter 12.6. And the priest shall offer these animals before the Lord and make atonement for her. And she will be made, uh, she will be be ceremonially clean from the flow of her blood. Burnt offerings and sin offerings in what she had to bring. Apparently, this was on Mary's mind because she goes on to fulfill the law of the Lord. Um, in fact, this idea of fulfilling what's in the law、uh, dominates this passage. It's repeated again and again and again. I don't know if you've noticed. In verse 22, it's mentioned the first time in our passage. When the time can, came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. And it's repeated again in verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Again in verse 24, with, with what, it is,、uh, what is said in the law of the Lord. It's repeated another time in verse 27 when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. 
And at the end of their stay, we didn't read this part. If you go down and look at verse 39, at the end of their stay in Jerusalem, it's mentioned once again, once again, required by the law of the Lord. This is, this dominates this passage, doing what's required by the law of the Lord. And we're told in verse 24, Mary and Joseph and Cain presented probably a pair of doves or a pair of pigeons because uh, they couldn't afford a lamb. And so you could substitute a lamb with a pigeon or a dove if you were poor. And that's probably what they brought to the temple gate. Could you imagine? Could you imagine Mary giving this miraculous birth to God's child? And the thought that goes through her mind is, I am now unclean. I need to be made pure. I need to be cleansed. And this might sound utterly foreign to us and even maybe ridiculous to us, but the righteous people of Israel worried about this. They had to because this was a big concern in the Old Testament because one had to be very, very careful to live amongst the holy God. If you are to be in, uh, in the presence of the holy God, you had to take utter care uh, that to, to make yourself, not to defile yourself, yourself and to be made clean because it was really a concern for you because the idea was that if you are, if a sinful, a sinful person comes in the presence of God unclean, that you might just die. You might be burnt up by the wrath of God. You might be killed. And the rationale behind the Levitical law is that something must die for you. So you can have fellowship with God. So you can be in the presence of God. Actually, this uh, occasion of going to Jerusalem, this wasn't just a purification, right? It's doubled up with another thing. Joseph and Mary doubles this up with a presentation of Jesus. Presentation of the first child to, um, to God as it is written in the law of the Lord in verse 23, reminds us. And this also comes from the, uh, the Old Testament, Exodus, ex- Exodus chapter 13, um, w- which describes the Passover ceremony. Remember what happened on the Passover? God passed over every house that had the blood of the lamb posted on the, uh, on the doorposts. And then God reminds them, you know, because... Um, uh, because God saved these firstborn, the firstborn are mine. You must dedicate the firstborn to me. That's what this is. This is why this is what this is why this is required. Mary and Joseph go to the temple to dedicate the firstborn, Jesus, to God. And although the dedication and purification rituals are different, the rationale is exactly the same. If you are to have fellowship with God and to live, then something must die in your place. Because of our sin, we must die or something must die. And that was the pain of the Passover and also the purification rites. And isn't it striking that the parents of our Lord Jesus Christ go to the temple worrying about making herself pure? Isn't it striking that we don't obsess over these things anymore? And this isn't because Jesus came and ridiculed these laws. He's not like that. He actually had the highest regard for the law. He says in Luke chapter 16, 17, it's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke, one iota, to, uh, to, to drop out of the law. 
Jesus had the highest regard for the law, and he said none of these things should change. In fact, it mattered that Jesus' parents kept the law perfectly because Jesus had to keep the law perfectly. Remember, this is the thing. He had to keep the law perfectly. He had to be born innocent. He had to live a life of innocence, fulfilling every part of the law, so that he could be made a sacrifice. Unblemished sacrifice for all of us. So when the New Testament looks back to Jesus, it says that Jesus was the high priest who offered a perfect sacrifice which is precisely what we remember on communion. That he was born innocent. And he died, and he lived a sinless life so that he could be sacrificed for each one of us. And that's good news. That really is good news. That Mary thought about being ceremonially unclean after giving birth to Jesus Christ. But that we, but we don't need to kill anything on our behalf anymore because we are deemed completely pure and completely innocent before God. Nothing needs to die for us on our behalf anymore because the firstborn of the new creation was sacrificed for us because the law of the requirements of the law are perfectly fulfilled in Christ. Maybe on this Christmas day, you feel like Mary, unclean. Unclean because of, I don't know, what, what you did this past year. Maybe it was a stressful year and you did many things that you regret this past year. Maybe even this morning, I got lost this morning and all the thoughts that came up in my mind, it's not the, it's not, these aren't great, uh, greatest things. Maybe you feel unclean and unworthy to come to worship God whatever it is, the thing is, you are not unclean because of Jesus. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus. As Isaiah says, you're white as snow. White as snow, though our sins are as scarlet. White as snow. We are made pure because the innocent baby lived an innocent life, life and died on our behalf. That's the first good news of Christmas. First good news. And second good news is that everyone who comes to Christ are made clean. Simeon takes this baby into his arm and praises God uh, in verse 30. Take a look at that. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of people Israel. I hope you can see the inclusiveness of that text. Jesus is for all nations, for all Gentiles, as well as, for, uh, as, as, well as being the glory of Israel. Judaism has always been an exclusive religion. It remains so this day. Because in order to be a Jew, you have to do all the things that the law requires. And Gentiles were impure. They didn't have the right markers like circumcision. They didn't observe any of the law. It's really, really difficult to, to, be, to be a Jew, even now. Even the temple itself, at the heart of the Judaism, it was the temple worship. Even the temple itself was made to be, exclu- uh, made to be exclusive. Did you catch that in, in Leviticus in chapter 12, 
how the women were to bring the sacrificial animals not into the temple itself, but to the temple gate. Because to, to the tabernacle, the gate of the tabernacle, because women weren't allowed to go in. And in fact, the men could go into the inner court, uh, the, the courtyard, but not any further. Only the high pri- uh, the priest could go into the holy places, and only the high uh, high priest once a year could go into the holy of holies. The whole thing was made to exclude you from seeing God. Once again, rightly so, because God was holy. God is holy. And we couldn't be in the presence of God if we just approached uh, God by ourselves. And though Jesus is the glory of Israel, a Jewish nation who fulfills every part of God's law, he is a man for all nations. He is a man for the Gentiles as well as for Israelites. And Luke makes sure that you know the difference between before and after Jesus is coming. Because Luke mentions, for example, of Simeon, an old man who's waiting there. But in verse 36, we didn't read this, but just uh, 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 one verse after our reading, in verse 36, we hear about Anna, prophetess Anna. It's not just for a man. This man has this privilege, but it's also a woman who sees Jesus and praises God for him. Gender doesn't matter anymore. Of course, age doesn't matter anymore. Anna and, 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 and uh, uh, Simeon were old, old people, but Mary and Joseph obviously were very young people. Mary was probably maybe 14, as young as 12, when she was conceived with Jesus. And the people, and we're told uh, in, in a few verses before, we didn't read this once again, but the shepherds, shepherds were the first ones to see Jesus. And you saw a little bit of how this guy in the video, he was lamenting the fact that he didn't have a job. I mean, he didn't want to be, I mean, he liked sheep, he says, but he, he needs a proper job. I mean, back then, it was a similar thing. Shepherds weren't in the high class of cla- uh, jobs. This was a lowly person. This is a lowly person, lowly people coming to meet Christ. They're the first ones to see Jesus. And later on in the Gospel of Luke, we see Jesus hanging out with prostitutes, tax collectors, and sinners. And he says he's come for them. He's come for them. He welcomes children into his arm. He welcomes Roman centurion, Jewish scribes. Whoever comes to Jesus, he welcomes. Jesus is salvation for all. All people. Christ has come for all people and he's made a way to see God for all people. No one is excluded in this kingdom of God. Everyone can approach God, including us, including all of us. We couldn't go into the temple now, before, but we can approach the presence of God in, in heaven because Jesus intercedes for us, because Jesus has sacrificed himself for us. We can be in the presence of God. And I hope as you come to the communion table later on, you'll see the goodness, the good news of the communion table. Everyone who comes to Jesus has a seat at the Lord's table. Everyone. No one is excluded. Jesus is a savior to all because we all need him. Although there is one disqualification. Disqualification. And this is part of Jesus' destiny as well. The thing that Simeon says to Mary aren't all good things. In fact, it sounds quite scandalous if you look at verse 34. He says, This child is destined 
to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And, as, and, and to be a sign that will be spoken again so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. What Simeon is saying that some will fall because of Jesus. Some will rise because of Jesus, but some will fall. Although the offer of salvation is made to all people through Jesus, some will accept him and some will reject him. Jesus will be the reason for God's judgment for some people, as well as God's salvation for the people who accept him. Those who are broken, those who are humble, those who feel that they need Jesus, you will be raised up. But those who, who think that they have no need for God, the ones who think that they can continue to live in rebellion against God, they will fall. They will be judged. But Jesus can save all who come to him. So that, that's the second good news for all of us. And on this Christmas day, there's this third good news. The first, Jesus fulfilled all the requirements of the law. And he, no one is disqualified. Everyone is included in Christ Jesus. And the thing is, because of the person that Jesus is, that your life is completely changed in your meeting of Christ. That's the third good news. We're told in verse 25 that Simeon had been waiting for the consolation of Israel. All his life, he's been waiting for the salvation of Israel. And when he sees Jesus, he recognizes him for who he is. He takes Jesus in his arm and praises God and sings this song, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In verse 29, what he's saying here is that I have been waiting for this moment all my life. And now that I have seen Jesus, I can now die. You dismiss your servant in peace. Because he's met Jesus face to face, he says that he can die in peace. In fact, this song, uh, Simeon's song is read in the Anglican service, in the funeral service. In the funeral service. Because that's what we remind ourselves. That because we have seen Jesus, we can die in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all the world to see a light and revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Meeting Jesus for Simeon was the biggest thing because he has recognized Jesus for who he is, salvation for the whole world, for him, a light and revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of the people, Israel, the Lord's Messiah and the destined child who will die for our sins. He's content to die right there and then. Meeting Jesus was the defining moment of his life. And as you know, it's not that all that different from all of us who met Jesus, from many of us. I know that there are people in this church who have gone through just a really terrible, terrible year. Many of you have gone through many things in your life. Domestic abuse, divorce, separation, premature death of children, failed relationships, Big sins, big sins, big failures, death of loved ones, things that cannot be undone. I was talking to this woman in this church not that long ago, in our church, who went through many of these terrible things, but she was talking to me with this great joy. 
about Jesus. Though as horrible as these things were for her, you see, they didn't grip her. They didn't define her. These bad things weren't the thing that defined her life. She was able to have this joy because she became a child of God through her relationship with Jesus. She knew that she was loved by God. All the abuse and sins and terrors of the past, even now, are relative now and bearable because she knows that she's loved by God. The relationship with Jesus was the defining thing in her life. And I know that there are others here as well. When I hear some of your stories, I kind of think, wow, you should be more bitter. You should be more ungrateful, more unpleasant, more stingy, more upset, more unforgiving, maybe more careful. But you're not. You're joyous. You're generous. You give your time. You take risks in loving other people. You continue to live that way because those events don't define you. The relationship with Jesus is what defines your life. Praise God that Jesus has come. That this is the thing that can define us. That we know that we are loved beyond our imagination in Christ Jesus. We see that. And actually, it goes the other way around as well. There are those of you in this church who are also wildly successful in your careers and your life, who's lived a really great life. But I know that many of these people to be deeply humble because success is not what defines them. I know there are many people here, and I, mean, I, I, find out, keep, I keep finding out that people here have PhDs with great, in, in, with, in, in, from great universities. I mean, I, I didn't know. I wouldn't assume that about you. Actually, no, no, I mean, you're great people and you're very smart people, but <laughs> you know what I mean? I wouldn't automatically think that about you, but, I, it, it's, it, um, but it's not what defines them. There are people who are successful in their careers, in their business. Just like Simeon, what defines them is their relationship with Jesus. Success and failures, joys and sadness, triumphs and heartaches don't define them because meeting Jesus has defined them. Everything else becomes relative. Life took a really sharp turn for the good for Simeon. He says he can die in peace. In a way, our relationship with Jesus is what defines for all of us. This is what we confess as well. No matter what you're going through, what you have gone through this year, what you have gone through in the past, in your lifetime, what you are going through even now on this day, I hope you're reminded of the love of Jesus Christ, love of God in Jesus Christ, how he chased after us, how he emptied himself and became this baby to offer himself to live a life, sinless life, fulfilling every law so he can die for us. I hope you're reminded that you are wildly loved on this Christmas day. And sing with Simeon. Sing with Simeon, really. Sovereign Lord, you may dismiss your servants um, in peace, that we can now go on living in peace. For our eyes 
have seen the salvation that you have, you have prepared for all world to see, a light and revelations to the Gentiles, and the glory of people Israel. Let's praise Him on this Christmas day. Amen.